Welcome to the Evolution Exchange Gaming Podcast, where we connect industry leaders to discuss experiences, challenges, and successes in the gaming industry. I'm Paul Hackett, and I connect gaming businesses and studios with talented tech freelancers from all over Europe. Hi, everyone. This is Chris Bennett here, a Knowledge Managing Director here at Evolution. We're committed to doing recruitment in a different way that adds value to both our clients and candidates by providing you with amazing speakers and leading edge discussions on what's going on in the tech scene at the moment. There are three reasons why you should contact me. If you would like to speak on a future podcast, if you are interested in hiring awesome tech data, product or gaming freelancers for your business, or if you are looking for an exciting new organization to work with, please get in touch. Thank you so much for listening, and I really hope to hear from you soon. Please enjoy the rest of the podcast. Right, so just a bit of a brief intro into what we're doing today. So we're doing a Moon Rover Games exclusive. Obviously, you three are veterans in the industry, and I've gone out and decided to create a studio of your own. So today is literally a discussion around the why you've done it, the what you're going to create, and the how you're going to do it. Yeah? Um, sounds about right? Yep. It's my shit, dude. Alright, so let's start off with intros. Obviously, a lot of the people in the chat already know who you are, but for those that don't, uh, Julian, do you want to kick us off here? Yeah, sure. Hi, everyone. Uh, I'm Julian. I've been in the industry for, I think, 17 years, more or less. Feels like a lot but at the same time, it feels, you know, like there's a lot more to learn. Uh, I'm the CEO at Moon Rover. I've been, I had the chance to work on a whole variety of games from the original Plants vs. Zombies to League of Legends, uh, Battlefield, Mirror's Edge, Crusader Kings, many different games on many different platforms. Uh, and all of this led me to these fine gentlemen and the rest of the team at Moon Rover and to uh, doing this together. Awesome stuff. I guess I'll go next. Uh, hi, everybody. I'm Jamie. I think I know a lot of you looking at the chat. Uh, adds a little bit of pressure. Uh, but no, I've kind of um, battered between kind of design and production and direction roles for about the last sort of 20 years or something. Uh, kind of moved around between lots of different franchises. Uh, Battlefield, a lot of back to and from. Uh, worked on Far Cry. Uh, worked on Need for Speed. Uh, and then now this uh, kicking off here in uh in stockholm uh uh kicking off as creative director for the studio here i'm looking forward to the journey with these two reprobates <laughs> cool i guess that leaves me then so hi everyone i'm ben uh you may guess by our names but jamie and i are brothers which is really fun we've both been in the industry separately for about 20 years or so um i'm the technical director at moon rover um my career has taken me back and forth between design and programming. I've been design on things like Battlefield and um, Until Dawn, various other exciting things. Uh, and now I'm really excited to be working on this, back to programming. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> Very cool. So we will kick off and start with the why. So um, why Moon Rover Games? So obviously, Julian, you're one of the co-founders and designated CEO of Moon Rover Games. So why now? Why 2023? Uh, give us a little bit of insight into what was the trigger for you guys to create the studio 
why did you pick these two brothers to do it with or they pick you we can figure that out now uh, and could take it from there uh right um why <laughs> so it's an interesting one i think i think there comes a moment where you know you, you always have these you always have these moments where you you know you're with friends you're with your coworkers, and you're you're talking about you know what would you do if things were up to you what would you do to improve things you know, what would you do if you could, you know, make any game or, or work with any technology or kind of like organize the studio or a team differently, et cetera. And then, and then I think, you know, all of this happens. And then, you know, when, when you have these conversations, you can do two things, you know, you can't just, you know, leave it at the end of an evening after a few beers and just, you know, go back to doing, you know, what you're doing and, or you can't just take action and say, okay, yeah, what is actually blocking us? from from doing this what's blocking us from from taking the jump and i think you know uh, jamie ben and myself uh, christopher our narrative director is not uh not here today we've been working together for a very long time we've been shipping games together we know each other really well and so we have all of these conversations so that eventually we're just like how about so we do it how long give or take have you guys been working together on I'd, I'd imagine or working extent. together on and off it's hard to it's been on and off so it's hard years many years lots of years projects, uh both at uh dice on on the battlefield and at uh, at ubisoft after that where we're all working together so so you know when i think what's interesting is that once you reach that point where you're like you know how about we do it you get that uh you get that that idea of the back of your head, and then you can't you can't get rid of it. Like you just have to do it. Um, you think about it, and of course you have to learn a lot because we've all worked as part of big publishers, big existing studios, etc. So like starting your own company is a, it's an adventure uh, that is very very different from starting a team uh, as part of EA or Ubisoft or anything like that. Um, and so you just you know learn a lot, and then eventually you're like okay. You know, we just have to do it now. We just have to uh, jump up the cliff. No, I mean, th- th- there is definitely that sensation of like, you know, you, you very much feel like you're stepping out of a perfectly good airplane and hoping that the parachute that you got strapped on is a parachute and not actually just a rucksack. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, because you it's, did uh, it's very prestigious jobs in the industry as well. Like mm. big companies, big responsibilities, very senior titles as well. So it's a very bold move to obviously take that level of security and then be like you know what it's just time i want to make my own thing i've, I've always had i always had huge respect for it. i mean lots of our friends i think have, have gone on this journey around us and we've seen them do it we've seen them kind of go and i think like jillian was saying it's something that we've kind of we've we've kind of we've all been sort of kicking about as an idea and you kind of look at people doing it and you're like oh man i wish i kind of had the the guts to do something like that and i've always had huge respect for people around you when you see them doing it and then finally i don't know it was just suddenly like well I think it's time. I think you know, rather than kind of sitting and talking about it over beers, it's like if I'm gonna do, if we're gonna do this thing, now's the time. You know, we're we're not we're not clearly we're not getting any younger. <laughs> so you know, it's 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 the, there's a kind of a moment where you know you need that kind of energy and that drive, and I think we all still have that, and I think that's that thing about about wanting to do something that's a bit kind of like you know new and different, and you know can potentially change stuff. Yeah, Ben, how about you? What was your why? Obviously. Yeah, I think it's it's interesting because you know Jamie and I have talked about this for essentially forever, right? We we've been in the same industry a really long time. We haven't worked together that much, really. 
kind of not overlap that much. But we've talked about it loads that, you know, oh, wouldn't it be cool to do our own thing? And it's, it's strange. Like you don't really, you don't really feel like it's something that you can actually do and something you can actually approach until you do suddenly jump into it. And I think the sudden jump to realizing, oh, you know what, actually we've been doing this ages and like, we know how to make video games. Like, you know, we know how to do that bit of this and taking the, taking the extra jump to like doing it for ourselves and, you know, having control over it and doing what we want to do and, you know, telling the stories we want to tell. I think that is like the big thing for me, you know, like want to make the games that I want to make and that I think people will like, you know, and so who asked who out the brothers? Who was the influencer there? That's a good question. That's a good question. I let's say it was mutual. <laughs> I mean, we have always, we have literally always talked about it since. Like, I mean, yeah, there's there's quite a big age gap between us. I mean, I'm I'm about ten years older than men. Um, but it has been something that kind of I kind of dragged them through the various kind of like snares days and mm. and um, you know and. You know, I'd like to. I'd like to take credit for getting you into Warhammer in the first place and that kind of stuff, which I think has become a much bigger life passion for you than it has me. But you know, <laughs> we we have. You know, it's always been something that we've been kind of kicking about. And then I think it was just kind of like, I think it's time. I think you know, now's the moment. Um, you know, I think we've, you know, like you say, I think we've 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 both built up a sort of a a degree of seniority within the industry and a degree of experience and it's now i think you know it's it was we felt it was time to kind of follow our own thing and it has been I, i've really enjoyed i have to say like from what ben was just saying about watching his passion for you know quite often you sometimes you you know you understand that you're working with other constraints or something larger so it's not you know you can be passionate about it but at the end of the day it's not your thing i think having having your thing just takes off all of the breaks and all the boundaries and then suddenly it's like oh i don't have to kind of edit myself with any of this stuff i can just really mean all this stuff and it can come straight from the heart which i think is a big difference uh, to the way that you, you can approach stuff yeah because we've seen a lot of industry veterans make this jump now mm-hmm. um and we'll see from studio to studio what the success rate is um but for you guys what makes you feel prepared enough that you're doing this now instead of 10 years ago <laughs> i i think they were prepared enough. <laughs> you know, I think the thing you mentioned, we, we uh, uh, a lot of people that we worked with have gone through that adventure and that journey before us. Uh, so, uh, you know, the folks from, from uh, Wayfinder and Fall Damage and Fast Travel and many others of our former colleagues and friends who've done this. And, uh, first of all, it, it, it triggers the question in us of like, well, I mean, we know these people. They're do not like they're humans like us and they can do it so that it actually opens up to the idea that you can do it which which is not something that 10 years ago i would have even thought about uh really and i think that's also why there's a there's kind of a spreading there's kind of a sometimes we talk about the renaissance of the of this somewhat large independent studios you know there used to be a lot of independent studios and then they all got acquired and kind of merged into the big publishers and now there's quite a lot of independent studios as well. Uh, again, that that have kind of a large scope, and mm-hmm. and I think you know we we've we needed to get that experience, and you know we've had the chance to work with amazing teams on amazing projects and various types of experiences from from production to technology to design to business management um, at various places to be somewhat prepared. And so I think when we decided to make the job we felt that we were in a good place and then 
<laughs> and then we realized <laughs> that's basically like to it's like opening the door to another world. It's like yeah. stepping into the the water of the, the Narnia wardrobe and being like, oh no, <laughs> like, not ready with it. Uh, so what felt great, you know, after that kind of really scary moment is that there's a. Uh, Within the the kind of uh, Swedish again development community and the Nordics and even just you know international, there's a there's a network of uh, of you know help and everybody's been very welcoming. And the first thing that I did when we started the company is basically reach out to all the other CEOs that I had, that I had a vague connection with that I had founded a studio in the past like five six years, and I just said like, hey, can I can I buy you coffee and have a download of your brain? And kind of learn from you and everybody was extremely open and extremely happy to learn and help and make introductions and recommend tell tell me how they had learned their journey etc so i think that was that was extremely helpful uh and i'm really grateful for everybody who helped us uh, on our journey to kind of starting this company and it has I mean, it's been really surprising as well i mean i think i was expecting kind of stepping out of the kind of the big companies and stuff for it to just be complete rat race and dog eat dog and and it couldn't be less true you know it has been everybody everybody that we've spoken to uh, and i think that's been one of the things that's been most surprising has been that kind of mutual support uh which is really appreciated and you kind of pay it forward and i think that's the that's been one of the things that i think is really nice about stepping on this journey is that you kind of feel this mutual support that everybody knows how tough it is and how hard it is and and actually how much you learn and how quickly because i mean you're used to just kind of like there's just all this stuff that's just taking care of you working inside sort of big corporations and stuff that you just don't think about and suddenly you're doing all that for yourself and the learning process that that one goes through i certainly wasn't i mean you know paul you mentioned about us being super experienced from one perspective yeah but from this like total from the ground no idea like mm-hmm. you know it's been really humbling having to kind of like, you know, learn all this side of the industry, which has always been there. It's just been... Which is here the challenge that you guys wanted and needed as well. Because obviously after so many years in the industry, does it not ever feel like you're just going through the motions with the, what from one game to the next? Yeah, that's definitely a thing that can happen. I think it's, I think we've been quite lucky. You know, we've worked on really amazing stuff. We've worked with ridiculously talented people. And so I think, and you know, a lot of people in the industry are happy to to work on, you know, the same game a lot or, you know, different iterations of the same game. And, that, and that's like a, a fantastic job, you know, very talented people that do that. I think personally, that was never really a thing that I enjoyed very much. I, I did start to get that feeling of, you know, I need to do something a bit new. Um, and I did start to feel a little bit, you know, confined, like we were saying. And I think that's a very common thing with people that start their own stuff. You know, you get that feeling of, what it would it what would it be like if I didn't have to check what I wanted to do with with like loads and loads of other people? And hopefully the answer is it'll be awesome and we'll make something really awesome. And I, I think it will be. But it's uh yeah, it it can definitely be a thing. I think this has been really exciting to just to feel the like energy come back, you know. Plus a good segue actually, I think talking about you wanting to create something new because uh Jamie, being the creative lead here at Moon Rover Games, um, we've discussed a little bit about why you've chosen to do this, um, but what are you wanting to create? Mm. Obviously, I'm not asking for the full details of the IP here, but just some <laughs> top-down, what are you wanting to get out of it and with this uh, studio? 
Oh, I mean, I think one of the things that we're all really aware of, I mean, I think, you know, again, with going on the kind of the journey uh, into starting your own thing is that, you know, we have built up this huge, you know, never mind running a company, but the actual kind of like making game part of things. Yeah, you know, we have built up this really large wealth of, of knowledge and experience around around how to make games. That doesn't mean we're not going to make a whole bunch of mistakes around it, obviously. Uh, you know, I mean, that, that's the one thing that one does learn from game dev is that that's what you're going to do. You're going to make nice, brand new, shiny new mistakes and stuff. But um, but basically, it's kind of taking all of the uh, taking all of the the knowledge that we've kind of gleaned from you know from all of the major franchises that I've that we've been lucky enough to work on. And for me personally, you know, kind of you know, there's definite through lines and connections that you know while you're working on these things that you can start to piece together. So kind of moving from you know the kind of the the anecdote generator of, of Far Cry through to the kind of the battlefield moments. Um, and even even on things like Need for Speed Rivals, uh, you know, and kind of bringing all of those different skill sets to bear into a single thing, and kind of making all those connections, and going, well, what if you know, there's an area here where there's there's a bigger set of overlap between these things, where where you get to try stuff, where you get to kind of think, okay, well, I can see a connection between these things that perhaps you know, I'm I'm very fortunate to be sort of placed to be able to sort of pull together. So that's kind of what we're aiming for, is to kind of try and bring the best of of those worlds together into into a kind of a, a co-op multiplayer space, uh, an action gameplay space, um, where we want to kind of like bank on our and bet on our our ability to craft game experiences, to kind of pull together the kind of the the knowledge of stuff, to kind of to lower the degree of 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 of, of potential kind of like miss. I mean, I think that when you are pulling when you're pulling new stuff together, you don't really know. You know, you you kind of like think, oh, let's give this a shot and see what happens. Um, whereas now you've kind of having having had the opportunity to kind of do that, like for the stuff that we did for like Far Cry Three, for example, so it's setting up the the kind of the open world and the outposts and the the encounters and how those all worked and the stories inside the world and those sorts of things. You don't know how that kind of mechanism is going to sit together. Whereas now, you know, having been through it one time, you kind of understand a little bit better about how those kind of you know how those kind of open world simulations can kind of pull together. And it's the same thing with you know things like Battlefield. It's like you don't really know how destruction is going to play into things. You know, when you've got that good rock paper scissors class mix and all the good conquest stuff, you don't really know when you kind of give it a crack and see what happens. Whereas now we kind of do. So you kind of you limit the kind of the degree of uh, ideally you limit the degree of kind of a failure within possibility within that. And kind of bring together known systems into a kind of a new whole, kind of pulling the best of various bits together, uh, and and then and then try and see if we can pull an experience out of that. Very cool, Julian Ben. Anything that you'd add to what you, so you guys are looking to create? Mm. Yeah, I think it's. Um, I think to to talk a bit more about the sort of the specifics. I think the for me the cooperative thing is a really big is a really big thing like we've worked on a lot of really large um competitive games right we've worked on a number of battlefield games and they're amazing and like working on battlefield is a real pleasure uh but i think it's not totally where our personal um preference lies really you know like jamie and i even growing up would play games together right where we're on the same side against the baddies and that's kind of how i still want to play games and i think i think the freedom to be able to say actually you know, yeah, maybe there's technically more money in trying to chase Fortnite or whatever it might be. I think being able to say we wanna we wanna make a game that is co-op because co-op's fun. Playing with your friends is fun. I think is really freeing, and I think it's it's a big thing for me. Like my expertise for most of my career has been in game AI, um, and I think like game AI is an important part of 
things for me and being able to excel at my job is important. So I think taking something cooperative where we can push AI, do some cool stuff with it, I think that's it's really exciting for me. Definitely. Yeah, I think what what Ben mentioned in terms of the we we talk a lot, particularly as now we're starting to recruit and wrap up the team. Like we say that joining us joining a, a new studio is not it's not like any job. It's kind of joining a group on an adventure, right? And so you have to, there has to be a certain measure of love for the type of game that we're making and the type of IP and the type of universe that we're building. And I think, you know, once, once you find that we, you know, we've talked to a lot of people, you know, once we had the opportunity to develop more of the concept and we could, you know, talk about it a bit more to, to, you know, prospective employees and, and, and coworkers, you know, who fallen in love right away with with the kind of thing that we're building, both from a gameplay perspective, from an IP universe perspective. And we've also, you know, talked to to people who felt, you know, fallen in love with the idea of the studio and the type of studio that we want to build mm-hmm. and the type of work. Uh, but we're not necessarily, you know, had hadn't didn't necessarily have a, as much passion for kind of the type of game. And that's that's really important. I think we you know the games industry it's a it's an enormous business um but it's still a very human business and and that humanity transpires by the fact that it's very very much driven by passion and so you're going to work better and you're going to be happier if you work on something that you really like rather than on something that is okay but that uh is not you know coming from uh, coming from the heart so i think finding that common creative drive for everyone including you know people like uh, myself or or martin who uh who uh, joined us to to manage our people operations even if we're not kind of you know in the engine kind of building the game directly everybody has that passion for the type of game type of project that we're building and and the way we want to uh build it mm. i think that's one of the that that's one of the one of the things that's really fun about this, and one of the things I think is fun about about you know dev in general is kind of fight. There's a, there's a bunch of tropes around around what you know playing games where it's like you know oh you can feel like the team had a really good time making this game, but I, it, it's kind of true. Like you know you can feel when a team's been passionate about making an experience because you know there's just there's, there's just a level of kind of fleshed outness in the details of the thing mm-hmm. where you can just tell that love's gone into it. It's not just been like a I'm just doing this thing. It's this. It's this bit where somebody kind of put that extra bit in and that little bit of extra of themselves into a thing, um, and 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 that that I think is what we're after is kind of like a a, a game, an experience, a a, a team, uh, a a project that kind of feels like there's an opportunity for that, where it's like it's permissive, where it's like you know look, let's have fun making this thing. Like let's mm-hmm. find a let's find a set of game systems let's find a, an ip wrapper that sits around the whole thing that's just really about saying yes to us as a team and then to players and everybody that you can kind of fall in love with the thing and let it take you with take it you with it, take you with it uh, as you as you kind of like start to develop it and stuff uh, uh, you love me bringing up all of your years of experience in you <laughs> <Jamie. Hey. laughs> <laughs> paid for all this grace yeah. come from somewhere <laughs> But with the three of you having worked at so many different companies on so many different franchises, you've would you agree that you guys are at an advantage because you've worked on so many different games as well? You've understood from what creative natures of games have worked and also what hasn't worked in the past based on experience. 
So then you might have the ability to incorporate that into your own game. I think, yeah, no, I think it's fair. It's a funny one. It's really, really intangible. There's an awful lot of kind of like, you know, fingertip sense that goes into this. It's not, there's no like set formula. I think there's a, it's kind of like a question of, there's there's kind of like a really weird mix of kind of familiarity and novelty that I think needs to go into a game just in terms of the way that the game's structured. Um, you know, where you want something where you kind of recognize big parts of it and it's not like, whoa, I don't have any idea. Like, you know, that that feeling of like when you pick up a, and it's happening less and less now, which is great, but that feeling when you pick up a, a controller for the first time and they've totally remapped everything and you're like, oh no, but I play this. And so, you know, it, that, that kind of feeling of not just there, but into the kind of the game flow is really, really important that you feel like I understand this thing. It's not just completely, but that also there's a bit of novelty to it. But there's also, you know, that's the kind of the when you get it into the player's hands. But there's a there's a feeling you get with a team as well in the same kind of sense too when things are ticking over in the right way. And it takes it can take a bit to get there. But like, you know, when you kind of you can feel and you can hear like a certain noise on the floor and people kind of talk about walking into a studio when it's kind of in full tilt and when when things are kind of working really well. And there is a definite kind of, it's a different noise. It's it's really, in the office. Mm-hmm. There's just a hum and a buzz and like a feeling and like you can see people moving with purpose and that kind of stuff. And it's a really, really difficult thing to kind of, you know, put a finger on. But it's a really, really important part of pulling games together is that you get this kind of really cool bouncing of ideas between people. Um, and I think it's that that we're going for. And, and, we, and we had it, I think, really early on. Like, you know, it's this kind of, it's part of the thing that drives passion is this sense mm. of kind of progress that, of things moving forward and it being cool like i started putting design docs together and then started sending them through to ben and that, and then ben was just kind of like oh no but this design doc is it's oh we need more you know and it's it's not complete we need to do the thing and it's like no no man no like <laughs> let's just go and start making this thing and you were like oh yeah right just going of course and so and then, and then you start seeing features coming through, and then you start seeing things happening, and then somebody's like, "Oh, wouldn't it be cool if you threw a flamethrower in or something?" Mm. And you get the world's worst flamethrower, but it's there, and you know, and it's that, it's that kind of iteration and that kind of thing that drives energy and drives passion, I think. So, without using the buzzword, but I have to, um, you're talking about having the feeling of energy in the office where you can literally see people working and coming on something together. And I know it gets brought up all the time, but from a hybrid working solution with everybody now working remotely, there it is. Um, how do you feel that's impacted it? And if now that you're making your own studio, how do you want to keep that creative energy and how are you going to incorporate that? I mean, for me, it's. I, I think it's one of the things that we're all quite aligned about for for us for Moon Rover is that you know we want to be in the studio as much as possible. Um, like, I mean, I think that in terms of life, life and you know things happening and stuff. I mean, Sweden has a quite a permissive working climate anyway, which we're really I'm really grateful for personally. But I think that certainly the times through COVID and stuff were really instructive around for, for us, per, for me personally around like, it was really, really tough and it took a lot of the momentum out of things. And I think it can work. I think full remote can work. I think there are, there are games and there are projects and there are people for whom it works and that's awesome. And, and I wish them all the, all the luck and the power in the world. But for us, we've kind of decided that we want a studio. We want to recapture that kind of that energy and that kind of like that sense of, 
of kind of pushing things um and it's um and for us i think you know it may be just be, it may just be that we're too long in the tooth to do it differently um <laughs> you know but at the same time i think there's the you know it i i've seen it work and i know that it works and we've seen that it works and and we want that kind of like that that sense of uh community around building a game as well at the same time i don't know what you guys think yeah i mean i i i i did a lot of work uh, earlier in my career at smaller studios um places with you know 15 20 people um and i think the stuff that we managed to achieve with those tiny groups of people would have been very difficult in a remote situation and that has kind of proved to be true over the over the covid period i think it it we did struggle with a lot of the sort of interpersonal connection and i think it's 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 really vital to to me for our project that it's mostly about passion and people get to represent themselves in the project people get to make a difference they get to feel like i don't know say a random artist thinks of this really cool game mechanic and they're like hey we should make this cool thing wouldn't that be cool that we don't go no 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 you can't do that you're an artist that's not how it works it's not it's not that it's like yeah we're all doing it together everyone's having fun together and i think that is easier in an office i think it's it's clearer what the relationship is um i think it's not it's not impossible to achieve that fully remote but i think it it's been a challenge and like jamie said we're we're more used to this way of working um and yeah there's there's an interesting thing in the in what both jamie and ben mentioned and you know we talked earlier about joining a, a studio that's newly formed this is not just a job it's going in an adventure and we when we we talk to to kind of you know the first wave of people who are going to join us we we say that there's a responsibility that goes beyond your craft, beyond your skill and what you're contributing to, to the game. There's a responsibility to contribute and actually build the culture of the company moving forward. I mean, we're, we're, you know, we're five people right now. You know, if you imagine, you know, the, the next like kind of 10 to 15 people that join us, they're going to be building the company because culture is not something that you, you know, with, you put words on in a PowerPoint that, that you share on the on the meeting or anything like that. Culture is what you do, is how you set the example by doing. And so really we wanted to make sure that we, you know, that people would meet and see each other and know how each other behave, et cetera. So we can build the culture of the studio uh, from the ground up. And you know, that doesn't mean not being flexible. Obviously, you know, you know, if you know we the great thing about remote work is the flexibility and how it saves you time and money and uh, how it's, you know, great for, you know, in Sweden, there's a, always a lot of time to take care of your uh, kids. And that's amazing. And basically keeping that flexibility, but making sure that everybody joins, particularly, you know, in the first couple of years of the, uh, of the company, that's, uh, that's gonna, that's important for us as we're building up the studio from the ground up, basically. Mm. I think it's. I think it's like the the thing, the thing for me is that it's about positive reasoning about why we want to do it. It's not. It's not what you have sometimes seen in the media, where it's a sort of absolute demand. Everyone must be in the office for some intangible reason. It's specifically we want to generate an environment where people want to be in the office because everyone's having fun and everyone wants to all be having fun together. And that's. I think that is a. Yeah. Those those are the those are the moments that I remember from from the from the projects I've worked on, 
are the the bits when you test the game, the bits when you show, people show features for the first time, you know, and they tend to be like in meetings or like after a play test or something like that. Is that people kind of like get together and you really celebrate it, and and you know, and then that's the bit where it's like that's when it feels good, and when you kind of that's when you can, you know, feel the team kind of building in confidence and getting better at doing stuff and kind of trusting each other and willing to take more risks with each other. I think it's it's really it's really hard. I mean, you know making games it's like it's really tough man and like and like sharing sharing your ideas creatively with somebody else requires a lot of trust because it is it's it's embarrassing like putting an idea in front of somebody at first it's like it it really costs a lot to do that to kind of like to share because you're part of you and if somebody just squashes that Mm. it's really bad man and and that's and that's one of the things with a lot of these the the the, th- the things that we've got and it's great you know stuff like this wouldn't be happening if COVID doesn't happen you know we wouldn't be doing things like this you know it's pushing mm. technology forward but it introduces really weird formality into proceedings that kind of does that is like the enemy of creativity you know you kind of sit and very politely listen to somebody going through their idea and then have a rejoinder and blah 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 and it just adds you don't get that organic set for for me personally you don't get that organic sense of sharing and that organic sense of trust and stuff and and i think it's much much easier to 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 engender that um when you're sitting next to each other you know very cool right so we've discussed the why the what now the how so ben Mm. as the appointed technical guru of moon rover games um let's have a little bit of a chat about how you're going to create the game obviously there's some of the the first place to start could be what engine you're choosing mm-hmm. but also is there any future or current things that are up and coming within tech and games that you're wanting to really dig into and use at moon rover yeah sure yeah so it's um it's an interesting, it's an interesting topic. Obviously, for me, as I'm a programmer, so it's super exciting. Um, but this is basically. I'll be a few like, in the chat, I guarantee. I, I know, but we some other programmers are like, oh, brilliant, it's game. <laughs> we were waiting for it. <laughs> um, so, I'm really, you know, I'm lucky that I've worked in some of the biggest companies around the world. I've worked on most proprietary game engines that exist, and that's a very privileged position to be in. Uh, and it's also a very instructive position to be in. It's taught me a lot of like, uh, what does it mean to work on proprietary stuff? What are they for? How do these things get created? Um, and when we came to looking at our own stuff, it wasn't much of a choice to be made, really. You know, we we know what we want to do. We want to use a relatively small team to make something powerful and something that feels like it's beyond the capabilities of the size of team we want. And to do that, you need powerful technology. So it pretty much sort of wrote itself in the way you're going to be using Unreal 5, like a lot of studios at the moment. And I think it's, I think there's a big reason why everybody's choosing Unreal. And honestly, the biggest reason that everybody's choosing it is the biggest reason that we're looking at it, which is that it lets you focus your development efforts on the bits of the game that you care about. That's the big thing for me. Like even as I said earlier, I'm a, like a designer as well as a programmer. I've done both things for a long time. And the the most important thing for me, even from a technical point of view, the most important thing is that is the game. The game at the end of the day. Like the game in people's hands when they play it. What do they like what do they experience? And 
for that, it means that you need something where you can focus your efforts on crafting that thing that people play. And Unreal lets us take advantage of, you know, the 80-20, the Pareto principle, the, like the idea that we spend all of our development effort on what we actually care about. And there are things that we care about. There are things that are like really key for us. You know, I talked about game AI, for example. So when I say that, I'm talking game AI, like the baddies that you shoot, that kind of thing, right? Like the, the AI behaviors. That is a, an important thing for me. It's the thing I know a lot about, a thing I've done a lot before. Um, and Unreal lets us focus on that, right? It lets us focus on the stuff that we think is cool and not have to worry about, you know, um, I don't know, what's an example? For example, input, right? Controller input. That's Looking a pretty up. complicated thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. These are complicated things to do. And when you do them from first principles, you waste, in my opinion, a lot of time doing that. And it Unreal isn't, you know, it's not it's not perfect. We are gonna have to make some stuff ourselves, of course, but being able to focus on the bits that we want to make is just it's it's too good an opportunity not to take advantage of. Yeah. Um no, definitely, and I think it's it's that ability to make progress with stuff and and quickly. I mean, there's nothing there's nothing worse than keeping a dev team kind of stuck at a red light. I mean, I worked on you know tech development through a few of the projects that I've worked on, um, and and that you know amazing work has been done. But it does mean that you have to wait a long time before that's ready to go, which is very frustrating um, to kind of have to sit and and wait for the tech to go. And so I think that 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 this time round is. You know the ability very quickly to get stuff up and running and to actually see oh shit here's the game um, yeah. you know about removing potential bottlenecks essentially yeah yeah yeah, yeah i mean it's a, it's i think it's a, a just an absolute truth that no matter what you start out with when you're first creating a game you come up with an idea you come up with how you're going to do the tech it all ends up being not the case by the time you ship the game right things that you start with at the very beginning made look absolutely nothing like what you end up shipping which is fine because that's the nature of of creativity it's the nature of art right is that you you iterate you change things you you move things around to see what fits together best and and something like this means that we can you know unreal will allow us to be up and running the whole time it's going to let us be playing stuff and testing things trying stuff out quickly finding it's a bit of a <laughs> bit of a ridiculous thing to say but the finding finding the fun right finding the fun in the game for the players right it's the key for me yeah i think i think this choice ties into to a couple of things that we've been talking about you know uh, you asked at the very beginning kind of why now i i think one of the reason that made us somewhat confident in actually doing this jump is because the the technology that's available whether it's you know the game engines or the tools that we can license, etc., actually now enable us to make an ambitious game without having to be a team of 150 people, and that that was really at the core of the the studio. You know, beyond the the beyond the creative kind of direction, what we wanted to make of the studio in itself is a studio that makes ambitious uh, action multiplayer games without needing to be. An enormous amount of people and we we thought that was you know that's an idea that was really appealing to us and that's an idea that's really appealing to a lot of experienced developers uh, who have been part of these 300 or 100 1000 you know people teams making triple a games 
and want to have more personal impact, want to have their presence, want to not be a cog in a big machine, but want to actually have more uh, direct impact on the game. And and I think, you know, maybe, you know, 15, 20 years ago, this was not, not a possibility. You had to do so much for yourself, et cetera. And now um, commercial game engines and, and commercially available tools and marketplaces and all of that enables you to make a lot with uh, fewer people. And I think that's a... Uh, that's it's great for the culture of the company, which is all about finding the fun and and being really gameplay focused and fun focused rather than technology focused. And it's great for uh, you know the possibilities that it opens to us. But there's a question right there, though, isn't there? Like based on the team size and the the studio sizes that you guys have been coming from, like the three of you plus the other two individuals that aren't here mm-hmm. today, mm-hmm. they're used to working in teams of or studios of 150 to 200 people now you're working with your brother and some friends (laughs) there's a huge difference in that like has that not been a huge cultural shock like come january when you first made that transition and also on on the back of that question you've also you used to run teams that you'd have to delegate and get things done now you're actively and proactively like no i'm I can't delegate to this to anyone. Mm-hmm. There's no one there. I've got to do it all myself now. How has that whole adjustment period from having that huge network around you where you can ask this person who's an expert in that and ask this person, now it's all on your shoulders. How has that been? And that's not just from a technical standpoint, but from like a creative and also business standpoint. I mean, uh, we're gonna we're gonna hire people, right? I mean, it's not. Just... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's not just gonna be us. If it's just us, then we're in a lot of trouble. Um, <laughs> difficult. Yeah. No, I think you know it's we we are gonna grow the team, uh, and and we're gonna grow the team at the kind of the pace that we you know uh, to kind of, you know it's it's gonna take us a while. You know, we're not talking about something that's gonna be coming out next year or something like that. You know, this is it's gonna be a multi-year. Uh, project and stuff and it's a question of kind of proving the right parts uh, the right things we've got a we've got a good thesis um around the entire game structure right the way out from and it's, i think it's really important to have a game that kind of hits on hits on various different ranges of things depending on your kind of motivation so for right from the very core of the game having like a really interesting dynamic around kind of core gameplay that grows into kind of game modes that grows into meta and progression that grows into you know seasonal stuff and going over time all of which has kind of like a cool wrapper that you want to get engaged with that feels like oh i'm interested in that world that sounds really cool i think that that kind of you build that journey almost exactly like that right you you kind of build it from the core of the game outwards i think there was a there was a thing that that, that, that we used to say uh, on on battlefield which is you start building the game crosshairs out um, and i think that's really true you know if you can make the kind of if you can make the core of the game really good like i mean look at that De- i mean i played too much destiny but i was still having as much fun with the dregs right you know five six years in just the gunplay with that so you know if you can you if you get something like that it's super sticky and it goes right away out and that's how we'll build the production of the game is you know we'll start right at the core of the game is that fun then is the game modes that we're talking about making is that fun then we'll get into progression and these are kind of this is stuff that takes years to build which is why it's really really important to have the right team the right structure the right ability to scale up i think like julian saying more people working in Unreal means that we have opportunity to work with a lot more co-dev and those sorts of things. Um, so, you know, there's there are ways now to be able to solve problems which which don't just mean throwing hundreds or thousands of people 
and a, a problem um and and also that you hold on to your soul a little bit i think is the thing like it's it's one of the things that, that i i mean and not to say that the, the place is a soulless but you lose something once you go past a certain team size you know once you get hundreds of people on on the on a team it's really really hard to know everybody um and it's and it, and and i think you lose something with that um and so for us i think it's really important about keeping a team size that's that's that, that doesn't lose that that, that you know we have a, a core group that where we do all know each other and um and where we do kind of you know are able to kind of get to know each other as well so i think that's an important part of the journey very cool yeah so now we're on to that point where I've seen a load of questions flying in through the comments as well, but we are at that point where we will do a bit of Q and A with the um, audience. So, one of the questions that's been thrown in a few times is related to the financing of it all. Um, so, how you guys have gone about that? Whether you've been going through um, funding or are you at a stage where it's all self-funded? Like, who can dig into that one? I guess it's going to be designated money man. Um, we're self-funded so far. Um, we we're self-funded so far. One thing that we realized fairly early on is that because we want to make um, because we want to make a, a large game that has you know just like not a triple a budget but like a fairly significant budget we need to provide some really really good representation of the software to um to then you know open discussions with the publisher etc for for these these kind of large scale uh, large scope game then you know we, we can't go from a, from kind of a paper design because the risk is too high um so so we're self-funded from up until now and the solution will uh, probably end up with is finding the right partner uh, to raise a round of investment, uh, and then you know that will take us quite far because, as we discussed, we have the you know technology and the organization that allows us to to do a lot with a with a, a small team. I think what's important for us in this is to find, you know, getting you know getting an investor in your in your in your cap table, getting getting an investor on your on your board. It's not just a question of it's not like getting a a bank loan where you have like a silent you know partner that that gives you money it's a it's a partnership and the first investors that you get in uh into a new company they're going to be with you for the entire journey uh they're going to be with you for years so it's really really important to uh find the right partner uh find the right people who understand what we do and who are there to support us in in ways that are more than just uh financially and that's why it's really important for us to uh, take the time to find that right partner that understands what we're doing. So up until that point, then we're going to be self-funded. Is there a goal in like a target date in mind where you want to have your funding secured by? Obviously, that's not down towards the release of the game, but have you got a roadmap into when you will want or need funding by? I mean, we'll we'll probably. You know, we'll probably want to have funding uh, fairly early on because we we require funding to be able to properly ramp up. Um, so yeah, that's that's basically what uh, what triggers the goal. But that doesn't mean that we will. You know, the, the most important thing, the priority for us is to find the right partner, and we'll take the time that is required to uh, to build that. 
uh, it's really clear when you hit kind of blocks and progress, which we have started to do now. Like, you know, it's like I've, I've, I've done a lot of kind of, you know, project planning stuff and I've done a lot of kind of like overall, you know, game design and direction stuff and things like that, which has gone. So that's really helpful. And then Ben's obviously got lots of design experience, then lots of tech experience. We've kind of bring brains to the plate really quickly. But then suddenly it's like, ah, right, we now have run out of, you know, now we need a level designer. Now we need an artist. Now we need an animator and those sorts of things. And that's that's when it starts to... Need the funding and Then you can't pull it into the right shape. You know, then you kind of end up stuck at that point where it's then like, okay, now we need the next part. And I think in general, it's the, just to Julian's point about what, what, you know, the partnership and the right kind of people is that, you know, you're kind of constantly trying to position things to cover you know, the whole problem space. So it's like, you know, what, what, who brings what to the table? Like, you know, uh, like Julian is hugely experienced with sort of business and marketing and, and has really good creative, um, you know, uh, chops as well, <laughs> instincts. Um, and then, you know, Ben has obviously got, the, it's the same, he's got a lot of great, good creative stuff and he got the tech and the design. And then I think I've got the kind of the project management and the high level stuff, but I haven't been near an editor in ages, but you're looking to kind of cover all the different spaces. And then it's the same thing with a, a different scale with the kind of the partners that you're looking at is like, what, what do they bring to the table? They got, is it network? Is it, is it market? Is it, you know, is it specific insights or something, you know, around how games pull together? So it's, it's a really important part of the puzzle. Um, and I think it's really important that, that we're building for long-term success, not just to kind of get a bunch of cash in. To, to Discussing scale though. Um, Brian has this question, which is relevant to what you're starting to discuss there. So I'm interested to hear if you have any techniques or tips for setting the scale and scope of your game ideas, especially since you're working with a different scale of team than you were used to. So we touched on that a little bit. For for me personally, it's about um, making sure that you've got range and flexibility, both sort of horizontally and vertically. Like when you know what a system is going to roughly look like, what's the what's the best? How, how deep can you go with that and how shallow can you go with that? And then it's also then a question of looking at all the different features that you have next to each other and working out, okay, if we have to lose half of this, what happens? You know, So making sure that you've got that kind of scalability built in and that you're really, really focused around what's the problem that you're trying to solve at any given moment in time. And then what's the next problem that you think you're going to hit after that? So you, know, you have this kind of general mind map and shape of, okay, game ships here. And then kind of come back from that into the different steps. What what do we need to prove by which point? What are potential partners going to be looking for at what point? You know, what are the what are investors looking for? Who are your investors and who are you pitching to? What are they interested in? Are they interested in technology? Are they interested in the game? Are they interested in the team? Interested in all of those things. Then later on, when you're talking to uh, publishers and those sorts of things, what are they interested in? Uh, and so you know, you're you're constantly looking at the kind of what's the problem space look looking like. And then focusing in what's right in front of you right now, because it's really easy to get pulled into the kind of like, oh, but the graphics need to be amazing or whatever it might be. Tighten up the graphics on level two. Um, but, you know, that stuff is for later. Now it's all about gameplay. So what's the game say or something like that, but making sure you've got a really good set of understanding what the overall length of the project looks like at any given moment in time. Hopefully that helps. Right. Yeah. Uh, a question has come through as well from uh, Vanya. Um, no, we've not discussed it yet, but um, there's a looking for a, a lot more diverse player base as a non-diverse team. So is having diversity in management important to you guys? 
Yeah, absolutely. It's really important. We're we're just at the very beginning of the of the journey. So our team is, you know, unfortunately not very diverse as as, uh, as you can uh, see. But it's been a priority. Uh, it's been a priority action from the very beginning. Uh, we we knew, you know, right at the the inception of the uh, of the idea and at the start of the company that we wanted to build a team with people from you know you know diverse uh, cultures and genders and origins, et cetera, so that we have just a lot more creative discussion and creative exchanges and more opinions to make ultimately make a better game that's going to appeal to more players. Um, and when uh, Martin who uh, joined us a couple of months ago to head up you know all our people operation and, and HR and, and recruitment, we this was kind of the highest priority for him on his list was actually how do we build this uh, diverse uh, how do we build this this uh, diverse team how do we find people how do we appeal going from anything to how do we reach out to in terms of hiring to how do we write our our job offers how do we uh, get in touch with the local organizations to reach out to you know more diverse communities etc so so this is a very important topic for us and we're putting in you know, at the highest priority in terms of our building the team. Uh, and then we want to also bring this into representation uh, in the game that we're making. And Jane, Ben, you want to expand on that, although we can't say too much without talking in of the detail of the IP we're building. No, but I mean, we can talk, I, I guess we can sort of touch on it and stuff a, a little bit, because I mean, I think it is the um, you know, we do want this to be kind of like a, a celebration. I mean, I, I I the university and stuff. I studied anthropology, uh, social anthropology, and stuff like that. I've always been super fascinated by human culture and um, and and humans in general. So you know, I want I'd, I want to make a game that kind of reflects that and the diversity of humanity and celebrates humanity uh, in all its great weird and wonderfulness uh, of all this crazy thing that we called life. Um, and I know that's a bit like off on a tangent, but it is a bit like I don't know for me personally. So I mean. And we want to make sure that there is space for that in the game, not just space for that in the game, but that the game becomes like a, a representation of that. You know, we are going to be looking at, at human culture. And we are going to be looking at, you know, uh, some of the cultural spaces. So we want to make sure that it's, you know, that the, 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 the people about whom that we're speaking are, are not just represented, but are driving that creatively as well. Um, you know, so we're going to be taking that very, very seriously. Um, and and kind of working very very a lot with with a, as much local talent as we possibly can. Um, it's a really important part of of uh, the game subject matter and the way that we want to make the game as well. So very cool, yeah. And I found another one that's from Matt Winkowski. Apologies if I pronounced that incorrectly. But uh, what were the three main things that you didn't expect but were very important to take care of in the initial setup stage? Because obviously. You all talked about how you opened a door into a brand new world, a new experience that you've never had to deal with before. But the three main things, which were the biggest shock points that you're like, that has to be dealt with right now. It's really difficult. We might have different things. I, I, I'm going to start to throw one in. And maybe like. I think um, I, I'm, I want to say uh, legal matters. Mm. Um, it's not that we didn't expect that they would be there, but we did not, we probably didn't expect the complexity and the level of complexity, 
um, of things. You know, you, you talk to people and you, you read about it and, and it's not until you're, you know, in your lawyer's office discussing, you know, various contracts and, and all of this that, that you realize how important and slow and complex the, the legal machine is. And also I think, you know, uh, all of us, uh, in the team are, are Swedish citizen, but for the three of us who are here, this is, you know, where we're not born in, in Sweden, where we, we immigrated, uh, into the country. And so, you know, I think a native Swedish speaker would probably not understand most of the legal <laughs> actually regulations out there. So for us who, who have learned, uh, Swedish and are reading into this, it's been extremely, extremely complex to, uh, to manage. We've been really lucky to, uh, find a great partner uh and a great lawyer that's helping us through this so if anybody's you know thinking about doing this just know that you're gonna need a great lawyer and time it takes it also that's been one of the things definitely is that the, the, it takes longer to go through that that kind of stuff especially the legal stuff than perhaps you might anticipate i think i think for for me probably the biggest learning point through this stuff has been um I think understanding like the difference between an internal and an external pitch, I mean, beyond the stuff that Julian's talking about, I mean, the actual sort of setting up of a business and running of a business, Julian's kind of taken fairly squarely on the chin for which I, you know, we're all eternally grateful. He's been doing a lot of the pushing of that stuff through. So we've been kind of mostly kind of shielded from it, which thank you. Um, uh, but it's, um, I think getting the pitch into a shape where it has the right moving parts and the difference between like an internal and an external um, there's kind of like a understanding what it is that investors are looking for, uh, rather than what it is that like a, a you know a publisher's looking for and that kind of stuff. I think we were quite experienced at kind of publisher side pitching, but not at kind of investor side pitching. And I think that's that's been a different thing and kind of hitting the kind of the the concept team technology kind of triumvirate and business plan kind of like you know pillars. I think kind of like you know th th there was a point at which it ticked over and suddenly it was like, ah, now we've got the right shape. Um, and then that took some iteration. Um, and I think it took us a bit of time to feel confident as well about ourselves within this too. You know, where you get to a point where you are actually kind of like, okay, now I know what I'm talking about. And now I know how to pitch this thing properly. And, you know, you can bring, one can bring one's experience to bear in, in, in the right kind of way and t sell it in the right kind of way. Because I think, you know, we all have imposter syndrome about this stuff or a lot of us do. Um, and and so being getting to a point where you're actually like no actually I do know how to do this stuff is is was kind of quite an interesting journey. Very cool. And we've only got time for one more. And as a group, we decided this one. So from Vasilea, I hope I pronounced that correctly as well. So the struggle for juniors to break into the industry is great if the studio does super well. Uh, wishing you the best. Would you be open to trying out internships, mentorship, opening up positions for junior people to grow in? Reason this one is a good question to ask is because we've also discussed quite a lot around the scaling upside. You're not quite there with the whole funding situation as of yet. So discussion about how you're going to scale up, but then in the future, would this be a consideration? Yes, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, I think we can tie that into our choice of technology and the tools that we're using. What's what's pretty amazing these days is that there's there's, you know, that didn't exist back in our old days. As there's a lot of schools and there's a lot of there's a lot of kind of uh, you know degrees that at kind of places where where uh, students and uh, young people can learn how to make games. 
And that when they come out of this, you know, whether they've gone to school or whether they've just, you know, built a mod or just, you know, basically taught themselves how to use uh, the Unreal Engine or, or Unity or anything when they come out of this, you know, just like, I think in general, I'm very impressed by new graduates and how skilled they are. Um, and of course, they have a lot to learn in kind of working in a company and, and in a larger team and shipping a game, which is, you know, always a really interesting experience. But uh, we, you know, we're ramp- we're, we've started to ramp up now uh, and we absolutely want to uh, open uh, internship positions uh, and uh, junior and new graduate positions in our studio uh, basically as soon as possible. It's important for us to have mentors for all the juniors that come in so so it's important to have like a, a base layer of people who are more experienced who can train and teach and mentor and coach uh, any juniors that come in but we you know when we talk about diversity it's about culture it's about gender but it's about diversity of experience level because we really think that you know right. we have a certain level of experience but people uh younger people who come out of you know out of school right now they will have another experience that's going to be um, very, very good for us and also going to help us make a better game. Yeah, they're also not warped by the years in the industry, <laughs> so they'll be bringing their brand new young passion in. <laughs> you got that, did you? Yeah. <laughs> the several mentions of the grey, like losing your hair. We're fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's industry. Get ourselves now. Licked it on others. That's a... Nah, sounds really good. Uh, no, but thank you guys so much for taking the time. I know there was a lot of questions that were asked that we we tried to keep the questions to have some reference to each part and then obviously talk about how you guys wanted to go about setting it up but what you wanted to set up as well before we end the podcast i'd like to say thanks so much to all our guests for sharing their thoughts in today's conversation and if you are hiring for new technical roles or looking for a new role feel free to get in touch with us here at evolution Or if you or anyone you know would like to be featured on a future podcast, you can drop me a message as well. I am Paul Hackett, and of course, you can find me on LinkedIn or at my email, which is paul.hackett at evolution-nordics.com. Or you can visit our website to get a full list of the services that we provide, which is at evolutionjobs.com forward slash SE. Thanks again.